Welcome to the Deconstructing Data podcast. I'm Jesse Lezak, fractional CMO at BDEX, along with BDEX's founder and CEO, David Finkelstein. Hi, David. How's it going? Hey, Jesse. Uh, I, I guess uh, it's going well here, but emotional week uh, with everything going on in Israel. Yeah. Um, definitely sending hearts out to all the innocent. Um, but today we get to transition our thoughts for a moment to another great guest here on Deconstructing Data. Please welcome Ted Sfikas. He is the Senior Director of Digital Strategy and Value Engineering at Telium. And with expertise in modern data strategies, enterprise SaaS, and digi digital marketing, Ted is a leading voice in navigating the evolving digital landscape. So excited to uh, deconstruct data with you, Ted. Let's bring you on. Hi, Jesse, and hi, David, and thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, I love the title of it because I'm always deconstructing data. So it's a natural <laughs> fit. Um, thank you for having me. Absolutely, Ted. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you on the show. Uh, would love you to kick off the show for us. Uh, give our listeners a little bit of information about you, your background, and what led you to Telium and what Telium is doing today for their customers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was uh, I came to the United States uh, a couple of decades ago, and I'm originally from Canada, a graduate of uh, UBC, University of British Columbia, and I originally uh, came in. Um, studying management information systems. So I got involved in data very early in the game when Amazon was still a bookstore um, online. And uh, I just got to see a tremendous amount of change uh, throughout the time that I've been in the States, including the rise of, of the iPhone and the apps, um, SaaS products as well. And now uh, digital marketing uh, captured my attention in, in 2015. That's really interesting. Well, Ted, we can definitely hear you, but your video is frozen. So um, we'll just continue on with the, the audio portion, but just, just wanted to let you know. Um, and so yeah, it's working for me on my end here, I'm seeing, it? yeah, I'm moving around and it's working. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll just, we can hear you fine. Um, but let's, uh, let's continue on. And, you know, we really appreciate you sharing all of that with us. And I know based on the pre-show discussion, this is going to be a really great discussion. So let's just jump right in. I'm going to put the first topic up on the screen. Um, how privacy has radically changed how marketers do their job. Oh my goodness. And yeah. what capabilities mm -hmm. are available to them. So can you kick us off here, Ted? Yeah, where, where do we begin? Um, you know, when I first joined Telium back in 2015, um, I was a little surprised by uh, the Wild West uh, landscape of digital marketing and especially ad tech in media. Um, we were talking to clients who were buying data and nobody knew that their data was being sold. And it, it just it instantly impacted me. I said, this this can't continue. And then the big, the first big change in my career came in 2018 with the introduction of GDPR. Um, and that is the, the gold standard for data privacy regulations um, in the industry today. Um, used in EMEA, obviously, it is a, a opt-in approach to privacy. And it was what I had been expecting for a long time. Um, we then saw the emergence of the CCPA, the California data privacy regulation in 2020 
and it's since been modified uh, just earlier this year and with the new CPRA amendments. And that is starting to look a lot like GDPR. Um, I like where this is going. I like how the focus is on the data and less about why the business needs the data. So it's, it's the human right first. And nobody knows that better than the people in Europe um, who've had to live um, with the repercussions of data being uh, indiscriminately broadcast to whoever was the current leader of the day. Um, here in the United States, thankfully, we haven't been as impacted um, through that. So we see the opt-out approach to data in the United States. So you're getting uh, both sides of it. But what, what has really resonated for me is the, for the first time ever, the convergence of a legal strategy with a digital marketing strategy. You need both. I just got back from the IAPP conference in San Diego last week. So it's uh, 5% marketers, 95% lawyers. Um, boy, those conversations are interesting. We have a lot to learn from each other. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, ever since, um, ever since uh, CCPA came out and GDPR for that matter, uh, the lawyers have gotten, um, you know, it's created a whole new industry for lawyers as far as, uh, you know, privacy uh, laws of concerned and privacy policies and, and how, uh, how companies have to manage their, their data. Um, but, but really, I think one of the things that we want to dig into also is just like marketing has changed, right? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, like you said, like coming upon data back, back, you know, go back, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, coming upon data was very easy. You can buy data anywhere. And unfortunately that made it um, a little dangerous. Like you said, Wild West, there was people selling, you know, some pretty nefarious data, uh, a lot of homemade created data sets, old data sets, you know, um, oversold data, things like that. Um, but now we've gotten to a point where it's like, okay, it's become a lot more difficult to find the data that you need to do the marketing that you need to do. So marketing yeah. advertising has really changed. Um, so talk to us about what you're seeing there, because, you know, I think that, you know, some of the things that Telium is, is doing is specifically trying to help marketers and improve uh, and, and work better in this environment, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it really is the case. And, you know, I've seen um, uh, through the years, there's no problem, no issue, no initiative that I've run across with our clients that doesn't cross into the realm of uh, the six pillars of, of this new modern data strategy that we need. And it involves the omni-channel of devices, um, which are always growing. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a lot of devices out there and they won't stop. Uh, if, you have, if you have kids, you'll notice that they have like six or seven of them. They don't need half of them, um, but they have them and there's customer data in all of them. There's um, the notion of the privacy regulations as well as number two. Um, we are now entering the era of a federated identity strategy. Um, that's the third one. It's, it's core um, to the convergence of privacy and marketing. Um, measurement, number four. Um, we, we shouldn't be spending money on things that aren't being effective for us. Um, and CFO has got to be told how our budget is doing. But it's more than that. It's it not it's measuring what is working for our brand at the time that we spend. Um, if Meta is a good place to, to show a display ad and you can prove it, great. But if your measurement tells you, hey, 
there's something happening over on Disney Plus. We should join that retail media network. You know, Taylor Swift just came out with uh, Kelsey and, and showed up and they just got a huge influx. You should be able to do that in real time uh, by measuring the effectiveness of these channels. And that leads us to number five, real-time processing. It's uh, it's all the rage right now. Um, today's consumer is, you know, a zero-based consumer. They have zero patience um, for the brand to, to get back in touch with them. They want their, their products immediately. Um, the, you know, a lot of retail strategies have completely changed since the pandemic. Um, we're seeing a lot more digital presence merging with the offline presence. All of this, you can't batch and wait for three weeks to figure out that Ted Svikas is interested in a pair of jeans. You need to know it now and you need to know where he engages. So that real time is, is number five. And, and last but not least, my favorite part, the multi-channel. I love how it's always changing. We, we saw the advents of the data clean rooms uh, recently, the retail media networks. Seems like everybody's got their own first party data tranche today. And so I've been fortunate because Telium lies as a horizontal bar between all six of those topics. And it's important that each brand understand the value of, of collecting their first party data, forming intelligent profiles that are meant to engage the consumer for the consumer's behalf. Um, and I see that strengthening um, as we speak. Um, in the last couple of years, Telium has partnered with all the biggest names in, in media um, and marketing as well. And uh, it, it's keeping us on our toes. These strategies are constantly evolving and it seems like I'm learning something new every three months. So th that's kind of the landscape um, that I'm seeing today. And I think the challenge is um, uh, for brands is to take ownership of that first party data strategy very, very seriously. Um, uh, I like to compare it back in the Wild West days. We, we could buy a lot of data and it had this much reach. It was awesome but very little precision. We didn't know who was who in the zoo. Uh, their identity was sometimes duplicative. The data was stale and we were kind of wasting our money, but we had reach. Nowadays, it's flipped on its head. We have just a little bit of data, but the precision is 100%. The reach is not as great, but it's going to get better. And especially as we collaborate as an industry and we start to merge our first party data sets together, um, in data clean rooms and learn about each other's brands and how we can benefit, you're going to see some remarkable digital marketing strategies emerge from that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, definitely. And I think that uh, another thing to consider is AI, you know, because uh, AI technology for targeting ads, for identifying audiences, um, for improving reach and improving, you know, targetability overall. Um, is, has just touched the tip of the iceberg right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, where we'll be in two or three years will be unbelievable, uh, you know, how AI will help improve, um, you know, marketing and advertising in so many ways. Yeah, and, and the results are, are, are in too in some cases, right, David? Um, you know, Google's reporting a bigger ROAS and lower CPAs for their clients. Uh, Meta just released something today, which gave us some double-digit improvement points with the inclusion of their AI-generated audience selection. Um, we see it on the open web as well. The Trade Desk um, has released Kokai. Um, this is their AI platform for helping you select audiences that you may not have thought of um, that would yep. be related to your first-party data. And they're seeing a lot, a lot of good returns from there as well. Um, I think it's it's forever changed. I think the 
the the way around the loss of the third party cookie we were all scared as an industry for a couple of years what are we going to do next how are we going to reach people the answer is ai um, they're finding the right cohorts for you and they don't need a lot of your PII to do it. They can keep you anonymous. Google's done a good job of it already um, with their privacy sandbox initiative. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, shall we transition into our second topic? Um, yeah. We could probably talk about that last one for hours. Um, but, you know, let's get into how MarTech and AdTech coexist with Omnichannel and you know real-time identity which you've kind of mentioned some of these already and multi-channel marketing which is i agree so important and measurement and attribution so there's a lot packed into this one. <laughs> yeah. lots of <laughs> syllables in that one boy um but it leads back to those six pillars right it's um there the modern data strategy has to consider all of these and we don't know it but as marketers we've always kind of touched on them throughout throughout our careers. We just didn't appreciate it for the, the independence in which they can be architected and designed. Um, in today's uh, marketing environment, I think the Lumascape is somewhere around nine to 10,000 tools that you can possibly buy today. And I like that, that gives us choice. We need to get away from committing the, the massive majority of our budget to one or two Marketing vendors in the multi-channel, there's much more that brands should be doing in personalization techniques, um, in engagement, and showing value, uh, the value exchange for giving me, the brand, your data, this is what you get in return. Mm -hmm. And so this is how these topics, these wonderful words that you see on the screen, this is how they, they are going to coexist. And the common thread between all of them is a, is a brand owning their own data that first party data foundation that they that they build. They've got to show that they are responsible with that data, that it's been uh, fit for use, uh, which means it's accurate. It's not being shared unless consent is given. And there's some value received back by the consumer. Otherwise, why would I give you my data? Right. right? You take a look at the old models. Why, why does Facebook not charge you a fee? because the value is tremendous. You're able to keep in touch with families and friends. You've got a place to store your pictures and videos. Of course, that's worth it. Um, it's implied, but brands aren't so lucky. Um, I have choice. I can jump from brand to brand based on a number of factors like cost, perceived value, service. Um, and so data is needed as the intertwining thread between all of these disciplines. Um, so that's step one. Deciding that data should be independent from these strategies is the first and most important choice you should be making as a brand today. Yeah, and we see that more and more. That's a great point. We see that more and more. We see brands building relationships with consumers. Um, you know, we talk to them about the importance of managing, maintaining that relationship um, carefully to the point, to your point about maintaining um, the data privacy and transparency as to how that data is being used. Um, and then, you know, ultimately creating that value exchange to say, Hey, you know, we may be collecting some data about you, but here's what we're, you're getting back, uh, in exchange yeah. for that. Here's the value that we're going to, we're going to give you for that. Uh, we had an interesting, um, uh, guest once before from Stanley Black and Decker, uh, Anna Morrell. And, uh, you know, it was really interesting to learn, like, Black & Decker is not a company that, that you know, consumers would typically 
you know, have a relationship with directly, right? You buy the, those products from Home Depot or Best Buy or wherever you're going to buy it. Uh, and it was really interesting to learn how they've taken the approach of building relationships with consumers so they can better understand consumer buying habits and, you know, improve not only how they market to those consumers, but how they, they build products for them as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, it, from the retail perspective, it's always a fun vertical to look at. Um, you, you're seeing the digital and physical store strategy change in response to, to this topic. Like how is the omni-channel and multi-channel of devices and channels, how are they merging together nowadays? Um, really, it's a cultural shift in, in, in our world, especially in the United States and Canada, but more so in Europe and, and even South America. Um, we're seeing a new generation of expectations arise. I think something like 95% of millennials are smartphone users. It's basically all of them. 37% um, are wearing uh, smart wearables. So they're connected um, through a multitude of devices. Um, they, they spend an average of something like seven or eight hours a day um, on digital media. That is completely unlike what things were just like 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, and in retail, the retail sector that I've been doing a lot of work with, um, Americans are using a lot more of the buy now, pay later service. Um, and that's combining a financial strategy and extending the brand outside of its own owned and operated properties into other areas. Um, there's some really cool platforms out there that allow you to choose your pay, uh, your payment uh, plan, as well as the provider, uh, whether it's Amazon Pay or or Google Pay or whatever it is. It's just there's it's it's come uh, become converged together. So that's what's happening. Um, all because data is being shared in a consented manner. The, the first party data strategy bringing the, the multi-channel of tools and technologies together has really changed the way that we live um, and how we interact in retail uh, profoundly. And I haven't even begun on what it's done to healthcare and pharma. Um, we're seeing some great stuff there. And again, the pandemic brought it up. You can now get an appointment uh, through a Zoom call with your doctor. And that, that has really opened the door into better lives and better outcomes for patients. Um, so it's uh, that, that convergence is so important. Um, we, uh, you know, we fast forwarded our technology roadmap by something like five or six years because of the pandemic. Um, and we saw the result. Supply chains got hit <laughs> and uh, we couldn't get our Nintendos for a while. But uh, it's picking up now and this economy is going to come roaring back uh, because of this. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about how the pandemic had actually put us ahead in terms of technology. But yeah. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I I bought a car online, you know, last year. So I, mean, I bought never it online. Yeah. <laughs> but to your home, and you never have to. And I bought our house online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much same here. I mean, uh, this this house that I'm living in now. I mean, I did all the research online on Zillow, and then and you know, I ended up coming and seeing it. I didn't buy it virtually, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, all the research was done online. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. good to appreciate how far we've come. Like I said, when I first got yeah. to the U.S., Amazon was just a bookstore. And I remember people saying, don't invest in them. They're, they, they can't break out of that. They're calling themselves a technology company. Who's laughing now? That's <laughs> the biggest technology provider in the world um, alongside yeah. Microsoft. And it's the, the solutions they have are, ex, are excellent. Um, everybody's using them. So that vision was realized. And if you had invested in Amazon in 2001, 
you'd be on a beach somewhere, you'd own the island. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, um, you know, one thing I've learned is, is never doubt um, how technology and cultures will change. Mm -hmm. um, privacy coming together with digital marketing to produce a better um, relationship with brands. Who would have thought that six years ago? Everybody was, was angry. Businesses were like, ah, oh, I can't buy data anymore. It's better now. You have a better relationship with your consumers. They're going to buy more. So it's, uh, I, I, I've really checked myself. Every time I get skeptical, I take a deep breath. <laughs> yes, there's always hope. Well, let's move into our third topic. Um, why first party data matters now more than ever as data deprecation and signal loss continue to impact the way we engage. So can you kick us off here, Ted? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is uh, something I hold near and dear to my heart. It's, um, you know, I won't go into, I've already talked about how important first party data is, but it's uh, the precision in which brands ask for data and use it appropriately is, is what matters right now. Um, it's very important because it's a land grab at the moment. I don't see a lot of compliant brands on the internet today, believe it or not, in the United States. Um, coming back from that conference last week for the International Association of Privacy Professionals, I spoke to many lawyers and they said, most of us aren't compliant, um, which, is, which is really interesting because data is deprecating right now. The third party cookie is gone. When you download an app on your iPhone today or your Android, the first thing that comes up is uh, the app is asking you to be tracked. 60% of people are saying no. Why wouldn't they? They have no relationship with the brand yet. It's a terrible way to ask for data. And perhaps Tim Cook meant it to be that way um, mm -hmm. because he's forcing the brand to step up and say, be compelling. Come up with a, a reason why they should give you your data. It's kind of odd that we rely on a CEO in this country to determine that and not a government, but it, but the outcome has been the same. Brands are now in that land grab. Signal loss it will continue. The, the data that you're going to get by buying it will not have as high fidelity as if you put effort into it. Yes, this means that brands need to spend more money on data infrastructure. It's worth it. Um, it's time to start it. Um, and there are brands who are leading the way. Um, so we're seeing that impact the way we engage and I've seen a tremendous amount of um, uh, change in some of the industries that may have surprised me. CPG, for example, you know, Unilever, Hershey's, um, chocolate selling chocolate bars. Did you ever think that they would know who is actually buying their chocolate bars? Most of the data they had, they were reliant upon from other data tranches. Um, in like drug stores and grocery stores. But now with today's consented technology, Campbell's Soup can figure out who's buying more soup in Seattle versus Tacoma. Um, and so they're sharing data in legally, fiscally responsible ways as well. And it's, it's so important. Their strategies have completely revolutionized and we're seeing even CPGs um, get into the first party data game. And for some brands uh, and for some verticals, it's just a, a, an additional add-on. You look at travel and hospitality, um, Marriott and Alaska Airlines can figure out which are their common customers and what incites them to buy at when and where and how should we market to them specifically. Imagine a personalized world um, of multiple brands coming together. All of that is because of first-party data. All of that is because they had consent 
And all of that ultimately is because the consumer has received value um, from this data sharing. Never been done prior to the rise of first party data. So these are great points, Ted, but um, you know everything we've been talking about is really geared around the enterprise. So talk to me about um, and tell our listeners, like if, if you're an SMB, how can you keep up? Yeah, it's it's tough because you know the definition of SMB is you're still growing, right? You don't have the the customer base that your larger competitors do. Um, your product may be compelling uh, to a lot of consumers out there, but it's not widely known. Um, the strategies that myself and my colleagues have seen work for the SMB industry is to start small and incrementally grow. Don't try to capture the same amount of uh, strategic value that perhaps the big behemoths in your industry are doing. Start with a simple relationship, a simple value-based relationship with your clients. Um, I'll give you a, a bad example and a good example. You know, I talked to one SMB who was selling a, a, a food products over the internet. Um, and that's all they were. They were a pure play. And so their idea was, hey, give us your email. You get 10 free packages of this particular food product. Great. You just uh, incentivized your consumers to come up with 10 different email addresses that represent them. And now they have 100 free products. And they wanted to use a problem. Uh oh, did we just lose them? Oh. How's, how's it now? I still hear. Oh, it might be on your end, uh, Jesse. Oh, David, you can hear me okay? I got you, Ted. Yep. Well, they were using a probabilistic system to figure out, are these 10 emails really the same person? I said, how much is that costing you? They're the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, okay, well, how about if you just didn't do a promotion like that and just said, hey, 10% off um, every 10th package of food that you buy? It's the same thing. Um, but you're, you're getting fraud because of this strategy. Um, mm -hmm. And so that was a bad example of how an SMB tried to gain land grab um, in the industry. People get wise to that and they'll work around that. And it doesn't feel good knowing that you're cheating the brand. You want a good relationship with the brand. And so a best example I've seen is here in my hometown in Seattle. The way that Nordstrom conducts its business, second to none. When you go into that store, they're my first choice. And it's because of the service they give. I may pay more for a product at Nordstrom, but their customer service is second to none. And I will gladly give them my data online. I'll give it to them in store because they keep giving me that value. They take that very seriously. And very few retailers come close to that level of service. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a giveaway or a discount or a coupon or anything like that. Sometimes the human connection in this digital world is all we need. Um, to convince us to move forward and and have brand strength and that speaks volumes for the smb industry yeah it's true it's just that there's so many you know i've i've seen firsthand you know the challenges that uh these small businesses have had trying to reach their audience today you know ever, ever since um you know ever since the limitations and tracking were put in um, you know, it's made it a lot more difficult. And I've actually seen some of them, you know, fall by the wayside because they, they no longer could reach their, their audience. And that was kind of uh, a tough, tough one to, to, to see. And uh, so I'm always, you know, trying to, to help and, and figure out how small businesses will be able to uh, keep up in, you know, these, these you know, ever-changing times. Yeah, and David, with your solution that you have, um you know, the, the identity graph that, that your company has built, 
that is a gold mine for acquisition marketing. You know, yeah. just just help us get started. Help us get reach. It, we don't need 100% precision today. It's an excellent tool to use to get an SMB off their feet. And then once they start to grow, you blend in uh, a deterministic identity strategy whereby you get to know your customer one-on-one -on, -one on every device they use, their favorite channel, and when the, the best time is to reach out with, with the value that you offer. You can graduate into these strategies, but I think um, the acquisition marketing is probably the place to start. Um, and whether it's it's your product or Google's or Facebook's, they have artificial intelligence uh, built in right now that can help you find the right cohort um, for where you are in your growth uh, in your growth strategy as an SMB today. Yeah, great point, and I appreciate the plug. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, because that's what we built Omni IQ for. It's it's to to help SMBs, uh, you know, basically build an extended audience. You know, you know be able to. Learn more about your existing customers and use that data to build an extended audience of people that look just like the best customers. And, and you know, for us, we see that as a great starting point for um, for businesses to hone in on finding more customers, um, mm -hmm. you know, for their products. You bet. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Yep. Great topic. And just understanding your audience. That's what I you love about OmniIQ the most is that no credit card required. You can upload your first party customer data and get data on your data uh, because, yeah, you know, getting data and targeting people is one thing. But first of all, understanding who to target is another. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a great tool for SMBs and anyone watching. Go go check it out. I mean, we don't do anything with that data, but um, it's just a tool for marketers to use. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So um, shall we get into um, tech stack or is there anything else anyone wants to add to any of these topics? Oh, the tech stack is the fun part though. Let's start, let's, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, we get to talk about what we see as the, the, the cool, the new cool tech out there. Um, you know, I, the first thing I'll say is um, I've watched this company for many years um, and I've seen it grow. Um, my favorite one right now is the trade desk. Um, many years ago, um, programmatic advertising on the open web was uh, eh, nice to have if you're a marketer, but most of your budget went to Google, went to, went to Meta. No longer, no longer. This company, um, along with its trusted uh, partnerships in what they call the Identity Alliance, um, have come up with a much more feasible strategy for SMB and enterprises alike uh, to advertise on the open web rather than trust the walled gardens. And if you think about it, this is not a, a slam on Google or Meta or anything. The advertising does work uh, when you spend the budget there, but it's not transparent. Um, you know, the, the CPA and CTR metrics that we're getting from them, they always seem to be pretty good. Um, but can you trace that supply path, uh, supply path throughout its optimized run? No, um, that's hidden from you. AI actually makes that worse, right? AI says, here's who we think you should advertise to. How, how did you come to that conclusion? We won't tell you. With the Trade Desk, um, this company um, has, first of all, an identity strategy that works on the open web. So you're able to understand with consent um, where your consumer has been. And this is important for multi-touch attribution, which we thought was dead. Um, not, not anymore. Um, now that the trade desk picks up your first party data and loads it up and starts bidding for the inventory on different publisher sites throughout the internet, 
They'll also tell you when they visit. They'll also tell you if they didn't. Um, it doesn't stop there. This gets even more exciting. They've extended their reach into connected TV, uh, the streaming services, and also display out of home. So effectively, you could give the trade desk your information, tell them what you want from a brand. And while you're watching Star Wars, they'll show you what you want to see. Um, after you're done and you order something from Uber, there'll be an advertisement for your you know, favorite brand and pair of jeans right on the Uber retail network. And then after you leave the house and go outside, the billboard will have a QR code where you can actually buy the thing. This is not um, crazy futuristic stuff. This is all possible today. It's just a matter of hitting the catalyst to get the first party data into these DSPs like the trade desk to make that happen. The connections do exist. So that's my favorite one. I'm, I'm calling them out today because I love doing work with them. I would be remiss if I didn't give you my favorite privacy um, uh, platform because they're one, they're two sides of the same coin. I really like working with OneTrust. Um, their, their consent acquisition, their consent management, and the, the legal services that they offer around their technology, in my opinion, is enterprise class. And I see them in the majority of companies today. So those are my two favorites. All right. Those are some good ones, Ted. Thank you for sharing yeah. those with us. Any other any others you want to add? Um, apart from that, it's the uh, the uh, I'd like I like to go into the AI stuff um, that that I've seen today. I really like what what Google's uh, doing there. I really like what the Trade Desk has done with with Kokai, and I like some of the the interesting customer service things that we've seen with UiPath, um, for example. So that's another one of the companies that I'm keeping uh, an eye on. But of course, generative AI and ChatGPT. Of course, we all love it. We're a little scared. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. And I'd like to see how that ends up, but I I can't I can't uh, lie. I keep my eye on ChatGPT a lot and um, the associated ML and AI firms um, in that unicorn arena. Yeah, definitely. Those are all great ones. Anything you would add on that, David? No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm a little partial to to Bard lately, um, mm -hmm. only because I've given it a couple of really difficult tasks, and I was surprised at how it how it solved them. So, oh boy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I said, a little bit scary at the same time. It's like, how much do you know, and where did you learn that? Um, yeah, well, I I asked Bard because um, we we're I was trying to do an analysis um, of some data that we did for a customer and we're trying to get an idea okay does this make sense so we needed to look at i don't remember as you call it a, a dozen zip codes and the client uh, was asking for information about consumers within those zip codes so i asked Bart, i said okay well you know how many people live within a five mile radius of each of these zip codes hmm. and not only did it come back with a number it explained to me how it did it um how it first literally went into it said I, I went into google maps i looked at the zip code area then i drew a five mile radius around each that zip code area and then i went to the census u.s census bureau and i looked at all the amount of people that were in that geographic area and came up with these numbers and it gave me the numbers in each wow. you know, within each zip code and then totaled it up and i was like oh that was kind of impressive you should have asked it to uh, build your media mix model after that. Why not? Yeah, Why not yeah. close the loop? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but that's a really good example, uh, David, because, again, 
you know, like a lot of people are afraid of AI. It's going to take my job. Nobody has that job. I'm not hiring someone to go look at five mile radius and compare with census bureaus. And it, like, it's just humans can't do that. Yeah. But what you can do, you can hire a lot more people to actually consume the information that you get back from Bard and do something with it. That's a lot more human um, based than it is AI based, the actual execution of that information. So I, I really like that example and try it out myself. <laughs> yeah, those are some good ones. So, um, well, I guess we have time for our post-topic questions. So let's get into those. Ted, if you could go back into a time when you first came into the ad, the advertising, say data marketing industry, what is the number one piece of advice you would give yourself? Oh boy, if I could go back to my past self. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, there's so many regrets though, Jesse. Where do I begin? Oh, well, you, you learn from them. Yeah, yeah you do. Um, you know, the, my, my fir the first thing that my mind comes to, um, I, I went to university just as email, as email was invented. So it's, so uh, it's uh, I remember my prof saying, everything that we taught you last year, forget it. Um, we've got the internet now. And I said, <laughs> the internet. And so we had a couple of Apple Next computers and we, we used the IP addresses of each to send ourselves messages. And we said, what's this? Because it's email. It's going to change everything. And I said, no, it's not. And he said, okay, Ted, let's stand up and tell us why you think that. And back in those days, there was only eight people in the MIS department. Now there's like 2,500 that sign up for it every year. But it was me and a guy named Tony Rybar and six, six people from, from international. And uh, I said, because not everyone has a computer. That was it. And my mind couldn't see the day when people would be wearing computers on their wrists <laughs> and a small phone would have more power than a rocket ship that we would fly to the moon because I just couldn't see it. And because I didn't see it and I didn't have experience with it, I didn't believe it. And I carried that with me after obviously I was proven wrong, <laughs> but I never, ever get skeptical about things. Right now, everybody's... Uh, um, giving the metaverse grief. I believe in it. I believe the metaverse is going to change our life. I believe that brands will have a massive golden age of marketing when they start to set up the metaverse for their products and their services and communicate with this next generation in a virtual manner uh, by the majority. And I think that's going to work. I think cryptocurrency has a long way to go and the blockchain is not just some Minecraft Lego piece that you put together. It's going to radically change how we do financial um, uh, uh, transactions across the world. And so the promise of Web 3.0 and artificial intelligence, crypto, the blockchain, the metaverse, I believe in those. I think those are real. And I think we're going to be shocked by how quickly um, the skeptics are proven wrong in those areas. That's a great point. And um, we yeah. haven't talked about the metaverse in a while, David. Anything you want to chime in there? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. But I, I think that what's really interesting about it is when you when you kind of go back to your story about when, you know, email was first, you know. Yeah, that was good. Came out. Um, it's been a long time, right? I mean, think yeah. about how long it's been. Uh, I think that we're living in a world where things happen a lot more exponentially. And yeah. so when you're talking about blockchain and you're talking about AI and you're talking about the metaverse, I think that we're not talking about 
what's it going to look like in 20 years, right? You know, or 30 years or whatever. We're talking about what what is it going to look like in three years or five yeah. years, you know? And uh, so things are happening a lot faster. And we talk about that a lot here simply because we talk about the fact that processing power, the ability to store data and process data uh, has grown exponentially as well. And because of that, you're going to see all of this technology that you just mentioned uh, growing that fast. That's right. Yeah. So Ted, so going off of all of that, are there any lessons you've learned along the way from past jobs or this current job that you think everyone should know? I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, when I started my career, I worked for Hewlett Packard um, and I, I worked for Computer Associates, very, very large IT firms. And I remember um, how we sold, you know, I was a consultant and I would help the sales team and the customer success team. And I still do today. Um, and we'd go to market and say, you need to buy everything from us. And we have everything you need at a low, low price. And it gives you 80% of the functionalities, the 80, 20 rule. Why not? And companies would make that decision. And then they found out, oh boy, it cost a lot more, um, to keep that stuff going, to keep the people that needed to use this software employed. Because you've got turnover nowadays, like I've never seen before, like the quiet quitting and the quiet firing. I can't decide which is worse. Um, but the whole point is my advice is stay composable. Technology is not meant to uh, uh, come together in this massive consolidated EXE file that you double click. And now suddenly you've got a silver bullet for everything. We're creative people and we're living in a world that is changing by the day. And so keep agnostic, keep your tech stack um, independent of any financial contracts that would influence your investments. That's my advice. Um, I work for a company where our only focus is data. I strongly believe that data should be independent of any other application that you're using. And I know that's a good financial incentive for CFOs to do because it keeps their contract no negotiations with that Lumascape of 7,000 to 10,000 different technology companies, strong and flexible. Um, and it makes life easier too. Uh, a composable architecture where you drag and drop solutions that just inherently work with each other. Um, we've been able to do that for a long, long time. And so that's my advice. Stay flexible, stay agile, keep data independent and stay on top of the changing trends in digital marketing and ad tech. So you're always picking the right choice. We live in a SaaS world. You can stop and start those contracts anytime you like. So um, I know that's a mouthful, but I, I, uh, I, that's, that's my philosophy as a technologist. I like that. Yeah, it's great, great advice, Ted. Sorry, David, go ahead. I was just saying great advice, Ted. <laughs> I was going to say, put your first party data first. <laughs> I like that. Short and sweet. I like that too, Jesse. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm a marketer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that was all really great, Ted. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, before we go, could you tell the audience where they can reach you if they wanted to reach out after the show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I work for Telium. So at Telium.com, you'll find a lot of my work um, online in forms of blogs. You can personally contact me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Ted Sfikas in the world. Uh, <laughs> I was just telling Jesse how um, even though my last name is short, it's the only word in the English language that starts with SF. So you cannot forget that. 
Uh, I'd love to connect with, with others um, that we can learn from each other on, on LinkedIn. I'm happy to do so. Um, and so look for me on telium.com as well as LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, Ted, for joining us today. We really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, I think that uh, we had a great conversation and uh, we should do it again sometime. Absolutely. It was such a pleasure uh, uh, to, to work with you both today. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you both. And audience members, we hope you'll check out BDEX's Omni IQ. Simply go to BDEX.com and click try for free or use the QR code I just put up on the screen if you're watching this on video. Um, and create an Omni IQ account, no credit card required. And once you create an account, you can upload a CSV and get gender, birth year, and household income analytics on your data. Um, we'd love to hear from our audience listeners as well. Let us know what you think about the show and um, let us know if there's anyone you think we should have on the show. So feel free to please reach us at info at and share your qualitative data with us so we can make it better for you. And thank you again for all for being here. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.